Walking Dead Season 10 is over, sort of, kind of, at least it's over for now, but we are just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recaps, talking about Season 10, Episode 15, The Tower, technically the penultimate episode of Season 10, but it's the last episode of Season 10 on the schedule for the foreseeable future. Uh, I'm Josh Wiggler, joined here by Jessica Lease, as always. Jess, parting is always such sweet sorrow, but... Parting when we were not planning on parting is even more sorrowful. Well, Josh, everything that's going on right now, including the fact that this season is over, it's all temporary. We just would do really well to remember that. Yes, we got to we got to keep that in mind. Uh, But yes, the tower is going to be the final episode of The Walking Dead for the time being. I think we mentioned this in our most recent podcast. But for anybody who missed that news, and I'm sure you know it by now. But just to reiterate, uh, the tower, which is episode 15 of season 10, uh, was not supposed to be the finale. The finale was supposed to air next Sunday. Uh, That episode has been pushed off to some unknown date in the future due to post-production demands that cannot be met given the global pandemic right now and given um, workflow uh, for so many people right now. So, of course, our hearts are with the Walking Dead team uh, as they are with the Walking Dead uh, listeners, uh, as everybody is just scrambling to find some semblance of normal in this really abnormal world right now. Um, But Walking Dead is one of those shows that's being impacted by this situation. So we're talking about the tower here uh, in a way like we're closing the book on season 10 for now, or is this like when you put a bookmark in something and you're like, I'll finish that later. And then like nine months later, you get back to the book. You're like, I have no idea what happened before this. Yeah. You know, Josh, I actually, I started reading a book before we left the city and that was three weeks ago. And I tried to pick that book up again and read it again. And I have no idea what's going on or who the people are. And it's like I was 200 pages into an 800 page book. And now it's like I kind of feel like I'm never going to get that back again. Yeah, um, I I feel like we say this like every time we get to a half season mark or we get yeah. to the end of the season and then we, we we reboot a few months later and we're like, wait, what happened again? So, I mean, in some, in some <laughs> senses, this is business as usual for us. Well, you're skipping uh, the part where we then get a bunch of people really angry, like, how dare you not recall this with perfect clarity? You are supposed to be authorities. Oh, man. Well, we're very tired authorities. Yes, uh, just, yes we are. Just try. <laughs> to stay awake let alone alive right now uh so we'll talk about the tower and then whenever walking dead decides to end whenever they have the resources to pull together we'll talk about that we were also going to be talking about the walking dead the world beyond which is the third um scripted series in the walking dead tv franchise that was supposed to launch on april 12th as well jess and i were were ready to go uh to to recap that one um but that has also been pushed as well for post-production reasons that they're just not far enough along uh, of where they need to be. So they are uh, pulling the season and pushing it for a later date. So whenever that comes back, Jess and I will be back with more Walking Dead coverage for sure. Um, but this is not the end of the line for Jess and I as far as podcasting here on Post Show Recaps. We have some really exciting news for you, dear listener, that Jess and I are going to be uh, recapping Killing Eve which is premiering on April 12th. Uh, The third season of Killing Eve, uh, big Emmy darling awards magnet Killing Eve, your favorite Sandra Oh serial killer killer show uh, that Jess, you and I have both just been like gobbling up in binge succession uh, over the last week or so, I would say. I I watched an entire season in a day. 
<laughs> yeah, I got pretty close to that yesterday. Uh, Emily Fox, the great Emily Fox and I were sitting. Uh, we were obviously because we are always sitting at home now uh, and we were spending the vast majority of our Saturday watching season two. We cleared seven of eight episodes of season two in a day. Yeah, it, it is great. It is, and it really lends itself well to the binge. So I want to invite everybody that is out there that thinks that they might like to have some more of us in their ears, but they haven't seen Killing Eve yet. It's a quick binge. And you could knock it out before we even get started here. Easily. You can watch it on Hulu. It's a lot of fun. And so get right there with us and we will be ready to talk it all out with you next week. Yeah, and the, the the quick premise, if you haven't heard of Killing Eve before, uh, based on a series of novels, the Villanelle series of novels by Luke Jennings, uh, loosely based is my understanding. It stars Sandra Oh as uh, an MI6 operative, uh, Eve Palastri, uh, who is very invested in assassins and serial killers and psychopaths. She finds herself drawn to them, finds them fascinating, and so she is very much drawn into the orbit of one specific psychopath named Villanelle, played by Jodie Comer, who is absolutely fantastic, as is Sandra Oh, as is Fiona Shaw, who has a really great role in this as sort of like the tough-as-nails MI6 super spy. Um, it's just, it's really, really great. Uh, they have a different showrunner every season, which I think is a really interesting approach. Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, of uh, Fleabag fame uh, and just of like soon-to-be-everything fame, because I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is very rightfully blowing up right now, uh, is the showrunner of the first season. Uh, Emerald Fennell, the showwriter of the second season, and Suzanne Heathcote is coming on to showrun season three. Uh, 16 episodes all told as it stands. It's simulcast on BBC America and AMC. And as Jess says, it's all available on Hulu right now. So very, very easy to binge. They're like 40-ish minute episodes without commercial. Um, so really, really fast really violent show yes. uh, but also like very funny um, and the character work and the acting specifically uh, I think uh, rises above like some occasional like shoddy story stuff for me uh, and I think it's gonna be a very fun thing to podcast and rumor on the street uh, is there may even be on the podcast a guest appearance or two from the great Emily Fox herself uh, may join Jess and I every once in a while uh, to talk some Killing Eve so this could be a must listen podcasting uh, coming to post show recaps in the very near future and honestly, what else do you have on your schedule? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. I mean, you can absolutely binge 16 episodes of Killing Eve between now is what a Monday and next Monday when you're listening uh, to this uh, seven days, 16 episodes of Killing Eve. Very accomplishable, highly accomplishable, I would say. I believe in you all. You guys can do it. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about The Walking Dead one last time until the next time. The Tower, uh, as for like a place to to put a pin in it, Jess, how did you feel about The Tower? Well, Josh, I feel really bad. I don't think we can complain about this. I, I feel like it is wrong to complain about it because it is out of their control. It is out of our control. It's really nobody's fault. If the season had ended on this and the world was not going full apocalypse outside our doors, right. I really think we would be rightfully enraged. Like, how dare they leave us on a cliffhanger? What is this? Is this Scott Gimple all over again? Are we like, are we meant to feel like Negan with the bat? But this is obviously not where they wanted to leave it. And as far as what we got, I think it's okay. I think. 
it leaves a lot of room to speculate on what is going to happen next and how are we going to prepare for what is inevitably going to be a really crushing and wrenching uh next hour whenever we get that yeah but they called it certain doom and we're supposed to feel like i think it's you know we're supposed to feel like certain doom is about to defend on descend on everybody yeah and it it's really i i found it enjoyable it was an enjoyable hour it felt like we were it was a transition piece it was absolutely a glue to set everybody up for the big thing and we don't get the big thing so it's like we got to speculate on what the big thing is but i'll tell you what it really made me think about um and i know that you as a musical buff will enjoy this comparison in the musical west side story <laughs> This is the tonight montage. Like yeah. we get a little piece of what yeah. everybody is doing. Like each different set of people are talking about what they're getting ready for and what's coming next. And then it's like if the if West Side Story ended right after that. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it, in, in that that's a that's a really gr- good way of framing it. I was going to say it's like uh, the one that I typically go to in terms of like my musical theater headspace is one day more from Les Mis yeah. is often where I go. But that's a halfway point. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. essentially like dividing it, uh, dividing the acts. Uh, tonight is is a bit more uh, of a of a setup of a penultimate. Right. Yeah. Um, They're getting ready so- for the zombie rumble. Yeah, so like it, it definitely does feel that way. Uh, this is chess pieces, as as we often trot that term out for for an episode like this. This is all set up for the most part. Um, like the big thing that it's accomplishing is it is introducing a new player into the world of The Walking Dead, and I think Jess and I are probably going to spend much, if not most, of our time talking about this character in this storyline, which is the princess stuff. Uh, which I will be very curious to know. What is the reaction from like the non-comic book reading crowd to this character, Paolo Lazaro as Juanita Princess Sanchez showing up here in the apocalypse, hanging out with Ezekiel, Eugene and Yumiko and basically leading them on a wild goose chase around I don't know. It's Pittsburgh in the comics. It does not seem to be Pittsburgh here. I got to speak with Angela Kang. She said it's like West Virginia-ish. So like that's as good as we've got right now. Um, but I think that it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see how people react to Princess Jess who do not know what Princess is all about with like any kind of like base coding, um, especially with this being a final note to end the Walking Dead season on for at least a little while. It seems like will people appreciate Princess more or will they be angrier than they would have been with the Princess character? Like, are they going to broad brush Princess as a garbage person, like as a Jadis type? What are people going to react? How are people going to react to princesses is a really big question I have right now. And I can only answer for myself and uh, two enthusiastic thumbs up. (laughs) Well, Josh, I think also our listener base is going to be a very particular use case here. Yes, (laughs) because there is a comparison. I think most of our listeners are pretty steeped in another fandom that I would say the sliver of the Venn diagram between people who watch The Walking Dead and people who watch Survivor, that Venn diagram in the middle is basically our entire listener base. Yeah, I would say so. And I think (laughs) basically nobody else, except at least one person who, either in casting or writing, who 
also watch a survivor who works for The Walking Dead, I'm going to guess, because this can't be accidental that uh, this character is basically Sandra Diaz Twine dropped into the <laughs> middle of the zombie apocalypse, but maybe a little shred more modesty because she flat out says she can't call herself the queen. Right. The princess stays princess. Uh, I vote you out of not quite Pittsburgh and that's it. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, definitely very easily the Sandra Diaz Twine of the Walking Dead universe. Uh, and there are definitely people in the Walking Dead family that are hooked on Survivor. I don't know about Angela Kang. Uh, I know Christian Serratos, uh, a.k.a. Rosita, huge Survivor fan, noted Survivor fan. Uh, I believe Scott Gimple, Survivor fan as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know about Kirkman and Princess Originates in the comic, but the way that Paolo Lazaro brings Princess to life feels very Sandra-y. Uh, and so as we are, you know, dealing with the Survivor universe right now of season 40, where Sandra has left the building, uh, I am officially headcanoning it that uh, Sandra then just decided to ship over to The Walking Dead uh, once she bailed on EOE. So it's um, like she got... She got voted out and left EOE <laughs> and then was like, well, maybe I'm not the queen anymore. I got to demote myself. Yeah, she's got to take the princess yeah. title. on. Oh, P.S. I also have to apologize to I don't remember who it was on Twitter that at the end of the previous episode immediately tweeted at us and was like, what is Sandra doing in the Walking Dead universe? And I'm like, we got to see her for about three seconds at that point. And I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know, bro. I don't see it. But that person was right, and I was 100% yeah. wrong, because it is totally Sandra. No, and she doesn't play that way, really, uh, in the comic. No. In the comic, like, she's, she's like, you know, really bright and bubbly and princess, and, like, she's just, like, uh, like it's she is, like, a cartoon character that is airdropped into the middle of the apocalypse, like, um, like somebody who you would imagine could go Super Saiyan any moment. Um, and in, in the world of the show, she's definitely still, like, very eclectic and very bizarre in in, in and like doesn't exactly fit into this crew in the most natural way and machine guns down all of these walkers without taking any time to think about the ramifications of it and you wonder how this person has been capable of surviving for a year or however long she has been here on so her own many questions about that <laughs> So many questions about Princess, but I do think it's like it's a little bit of a different energy to Princess than that we got in the comic. And I think that that just probably a really good call. I think if you tried to do a full one to one of Princess as Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adler depicted her in the comic and tried to do that exactly note for note on the show, it would be very tonally strange. Yeah. And I think there have been many times where we have gotten something on the show that came directly from the comics where they have dialed it way back. And I think that is usually to our benefit because the comics are much more cartoonish because the comics kind of are cartoons. Yeah. And to, to ask us to accept real people doing things that the cartoon characters in the comics do is sometimes a very big ask. So yeah. I think, I think this was a very, good call and i think she does feel like a real person albeit a very strange person who probably should not have survived for as long as she has what was your favorite part about princess was it her leading everybody into a freaking minefield 
I, I have a lot of questions about that minefield. Um, I just want to ask all of the princess questions you have, because I imagine you have many. OK, well, I, I'll tell you my favorite princess moment. OK. Um, and it's kind of like maybe there's two favorite princess moments. And one of them is really more a favorite Ezekiel moment, which I'm sure you already know what I'm talking about. When Ezekiel goes to introduce himself to her and she says she is princess. He's like you can see on his face that. He gets it like he, he loves gets her. It. He loves it. Yeah. And he <laughs> wants to say I'm King Ezekiel. And he just yeah. decides at the last minute not to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, yeah. oh, I'm kind of not the king anymore. I'm just regular Ezekiel. But I get you. You're cool. Eze- Ezekiel and Princess are an incredible pair uh, for a lot of reasons. This is not a pair in the comic. Uh, you know, we've talked about a few of them before in the comic book zone. I'll just leave that to the comic book zone just in case you don't want to hear anything about, uh, you know, character dynamics from the comics. Um, but I think that they were just fabulous on the show together. Between that, also when they're in the minefield and she's like trying to like recalibrate and Ezekiel, like, I think it's in the minefield when he goes up to her and she's like, I really blew it, huh? And he goes, it's not ideal. That's <laughs> just, it's just yeah. a really good line. My, my other favorite, though, that when they are deciding whether or not they're going to let her come with them, they are talking and they, they all look up and they sort of beckon to her. And then she looks behind her like they could be talking to someone else. Yes. <laughs> It's like, who else is here? You haven't seen another person in a year. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was my that was my number one favorite princess moment. Uh, she's she's fabulous. I think that there are definitely going to be princess haters for sure. Oh, yeah. Within our podcast audience, within the Walking Dead audience at large, there are definitely going to be people who are like, oh, man, this is a terrible new character. This is a horrible thing. I think people who don't read the comics, especially um, who you know listen to you and I glow about Princess because she's a favorite of ours from the comics, then you have to make that next logical assumption. It's like, oh, wait, is she here for a little bit? And hey, the answer is yes. <laughs> At least as far as we're, if we're sticking to the comic book script, we'll have Princess on our show through, you know, a good portion of the episodes to come. Uh, you know, they've certainly deviated from that in the past. It's not impossible that Princess will be uh, a limited appearance on the show. But my money would be that this is a character that we're going to have on the show for a decent amount of time. Um, so got to make your peace with princess if you're having a problem with princess yep yep i i, I would say she's gonna she's gonna you hang on pull a yumiko right like you yep. got to get to yumiko's headspace pretty soon yep i mean she's gonna hang on much longer than you think she is because she plays a much different game from any everybody else and her whole philosophy you know as long as it's not me uh-huh. <laughs> that's right yeah She's a two-time winner, two-time princess. Uh, princess Juanita Sanchez. I just can't believe it. I can't believe we've reached the point on the show where Princess has shown up. Um, princess, I mean, so I, I think we've talked about the fact that where we are in The Walking Dead as it as it relates to the comic book is like we're pretty close to where like the comic books were when they started making their final push into the end game. Um, and Princess was like one of those final like total WTF character reveals of like, wait, who is this? What <laughs> am I reading the same comic that I was reading last month uh, or last week even? Uh, and the answer is yeah. And like, it's just a totally different flavor with Princess around. So uh, I think that the show is going to benefit from it. I think to have like a little bit of a lighter character is not a bad thing. Um, and 
for me, I, I thought that this fit really, really seamlessly. Uh, and like, I loved like the, all the different interpersonal character moments that we got between her and Ezekiel, as we've really uh, already highlighted. Um, and her and Yumiko, very adversarial, even though Yumiko ultimately kind of comes around, but begrudgingly. And I loved the way that Eugene was like, yeah, I totally get what you're what you're doing. Like, I've actually been here before. Yeah, because um, that was really kind. That was great. Yeah. Eugene's whole thing. And I definitely wanted to talk about this a little bit more because his whole thing was that he lied to keep himself useful for a very long time and people forgave him for it. So now it's his turn to do the same thing. Yeah. So he's he's cool to princess. Princess is now part of the pack. They're still trying to get to Stephanie, and now they're going to get there on bicycle? Okay, Josh, I have to give you a personal anecdote here. I Um, love it. I'm ready. So we moved into our current apartment about three and a half years ago, um, and we had bikes that we brought with us to this new apartment. And because I was busy like having a child and raising a small person. I have not gotten my bike out for three and a half years. And this year I decided this is finally going to be the year that I go get the bike out. I'm going to, you know, get it fixed up and everything. And then I'm going to start riding. Like it's a pretty, it's a pretty pretty straight shot from apartment to work. Obviously this is not going to happen this year now because who knows when I'll even be back to that apartment. But we went down and looked at the bikes and Three and a half years in storage is not kind to bicycles. You cannot (laughs) use the same tires. You have to basically, you have to oil everything up. You got to replace the, anything made of rubber on your bike has got to get replaced. And this is way longer than three and a half years past the time anybody made a bike. So how are any of these bikes still running? Maybe Princess has been keeping them uh, as pristine as humanly possible. Maybe Princess has just been like really attending to the bicycles here, just in case she ever made friends and needed to go on a bike ride. She's got a whole garage full of bikes that she's just been collecting and fixing mm-hmm. up. Yeah, I think so. Because my question had been like, wait a minute. Are we really 10 seasons into The Walking Dead and we're going to get like our first like bicycle ride? Because I cannot recall a bicycle ride in The Walking Dead to this point. Can you? No, I, I think you're right. I don't think I anybody... can recall a bicycle girl, uh, you know, the first iconic walker yeah. really of the show. But that's about it. And even she had training wheels, right? <laughs> she, she didn't have anything really to pedal any no. wheels. At no, that she did point. not. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. But I I'm pretty, pretty pumped up for the bicycle sequence. I hope they get some like really nice light music, something really bubbly. For a good little bike ride from wherever they are in West Virginia to the next spot in West Virginia, they have to go. Yeah. Yep. From Cityville, West Virginia to Charleston, West Virginia. Pretty rude that they're about to hop on a bunch of bicycles without inviting Daryl Dixon along. Uh, you know, to, to ride without Norman Reedus here feels like a sin. Yeah. Well, I think it will only be a slap in the face if one of them tries to sp- Tries to do a spin-off show and call it the ride. <laughs> um, so I just just as an aside, uh, a ride aside, I, I finished playing that video game Death Stranding <laughs> finally over the weekend. Uh, the one that I uh, detailed in, in, in yes. copious detail uh, several, several podcasts. The one ago. that you were entirely making up because I refuse to believe that's a real game. 
all of it is very real. And I, I, I beat the game and the storyline as it resolves. I don't think that I could even uh, filibuster attempt to, to regurgitate it for you right now. Uh, I do think that that is beyond my powers, unfortunately. But in the spirit of things that I swear to God, Jess, I am not making up. So in Death Stranding, I think I mentioned that you can go to this like private room and shower Uh, and uh, Norman Reedus supplies his likeness to the main character, Sam Porter Bridges. And when he goes and he uh, uses the shower, which is also where he uses his toilet. uh, And when he goes to sit on the throne, the doors close and there's a big ride with Norman Reedus poster emblazoned apart upon it. Um, I then towards the end of the game got to a point where we accessed a, a motorbike that the the Norman Reedus character rides around that he loves so much that he idly mentions to himself out loud with full Norman Reedus voice acting saying, man, this bike is effing awesome. It should totally be on an episode of Ride with Norman Reedus. <laughs> it's crazy. Cross promotional synergy. It's crazy. It's wow. Like, how is any of that happening? Anyway, play Death Stranding. Death Stranding is all Death Stranding was all about socially distancing before socially distancing was a thing. Uh, Like everybody in the world of Death Stranding is social distancing from one another. They're all living in their bunkers. You never see them. They never. It's all contactless delivery. Uh, It might be a little too real, even though it is very, very unreal and unbelievable. Still, Uh, Death Stranding brought me a lot of comfort over the last few weeks uh, here in the pandemic. So, well, Josh, uh, I feel like there's two kinds of people in pandemic. Uh, the kind of people that will find that sort of thing extremely mm-hmm. comforting and the kind of people that are they want to stay. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of people that are no longer even listening to this because it's just yeah. the walking too dead much. is way too close to real life right now. Too much, too much. But if, if it sounds like maybe that could be your thing, uh, you run around, you ride around and you, you sling packages at people. And it's in its own way. It's sort of soothing, even though it's often very, very stressful. Um, this is a decent segue into talking about the Daryl Dixon storyline uh, this week uh, that it's. Uh, the Daryl and Judith Roadshow. Daryl and Judith kill a guy, uh, or I guess like Daryl really kills someone, and Judith is not happy about it. Uh, what did you make of everything going on with with Daryl and Judith here? Uh, well, we definitely have to spend a little bit of time talking about that final conversation where Judith still doesn't tell anybody. And again, we talked about how we thought that the previous Judith scene we saw could have taken place later on. Right. And it still plausibly could, but she's still, I don't think it did. And I think she's just holding back all of this stuff Yeah, to the point where it was interesting to me. I don't think, I don't think anybody back at the homestead even knew about the Virgil of it all. And that was the piece that that Judith was like disseminating. Yeah. It seems like nobody knows about where Michonne really is. And she doesn't like really clue Daryl in to the truth. No, she said he went she went to help a man. And yeah. that could mean virtual, that could mean Rick, that could mean and she had the opportunity there to say something to Daryl and she didn't. And I wonder if it's because she's worried she says she's worried that Daryl's gonna go away too. Yeah. I think it's because the show is concerned with if Daryl finds out that Michonne has gone off on a mission to maybe find Rick that it it defies some level of plausibility to not have Daryl join in on that quest. 
Um, and so do they have to like bend show universe rules to a certain degree to keep Daryl in place so he can't really know from Judith why Michonne actually left? Yeah, it it, it really it felt like it felt like they were withholding information from Daryl just for show reasons and not for Daryl and Judith reasons. Right. And that was I, I had a little bit of a problem with the writing there because I think there might have been a more elegant way to get that information out. It felt like we were just talking in circles, like like the sort of like Judith was sort of existing out of time with everybody else because it was the way that we saw her interact with Michonne and then the way that she's sharing what happened here. It felt it it felt like they didn't know where they were going to put that chronologically and they they needed to withhold that information from Daryl because it doesn't make sense in the show and not because yeah. it doesn't make sense for Judith to give it to him. And I think it's a, a, a bit of a tough spot for for the, the the Walking Dead flagship writers when they are having to, like, you know, you know, move around the the falling pieces of franchise itis you know like the, the the franchise is falling uh mm -hmm. and they're they're trying to figure out how to you know deny guerrera wants to move on from the show but still is going to be down to continue playing michonne in other capacities um so they have to find like the best way humanly possible to off-ramp her it's going to be very difficult to achieve that and i think dealing with the fallout of that on the show is also an incredibly tall order. And I, I do just kind of struggle to find the answer of like, what is the good way of dealing with all of that? What is the plausible way of dealing with all of that other than like having some of these other characters leave the show too, and like making the show all about that thing. Um, you know, other than like not doing this stuff, right. Other yeah. than not turning this into like this mega franchise where now we're, um, you know, segueing people off to be in the movies, but, uh, try asking AMC to not attempt to make money in this economy right <laughs> now, you know, like go for it guys, do what you got to do, do what you got to do. Defy some level of plausibility. I so, respect the hustle, man. Absolutely. I respect the hustle. Um, absolutely. In, yeah. in, in like a way that maybe I wouldn't have like a month, <laughs> ago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> today like go get that paper if you can yeah well and because we could we could walk this all the way back to if rick is out there and he's still alive why hasn't he tried to come back right and i'm sure there's a great movie yet to be made about this that and it will all fall into place and make sense but without that missing puzzle piece we don't know and there's no reason not to tell us the viewers accept that they want you to watch that movie whenever it happens and that's a tough thing to do is to withhold things for the sake of so story and not because it makes any plausible sense in the universe uh so daryl and judith are are still out and about by the end of this episode as are carol and kelly right i don't think carol and kelly got back to the no tower. didn't seem like it yeah. Uh, what did you make of everything with with Carol and, and Kelly? Did that um, move the needle for you at all or whatever? I, I'm so tired of Carol trying to elicit like forgiveness and like merciful responses from people. I'm so sick of her having this conversation like, really sorry, I did the thing. Can you ever forgive me? And you she you know, she wants everybody to be like, yeah, OK, it's totally fine, Carol. I understand how bad you feel about it. She's apologizing for herself. She's not apologizing because she feels bad. Uh for them she feels bad for herself and i'm so tired of the of 
her trying to pry out these like, oh, it's okay, Carol, we understand, because it was a really stupid and bad thing she did. And they should be mad at her and she should just let them be mad without trying to make them get over being mad so she can feel better about herself. And she did it again. And Kelly should have slapped her. (laughs) But she didn't. She's like, it's all right. I've heard the stories. You're a badass. If I try to slap you, I probably won't survive. Yeah, there's that. Um, But I did like the part where Kelly relays the story about her superpower. And it's interesting that Carol's superpower is the fact that she keeps separating herself from the group and finding creative ways to re-ingratiate herself. And it looks like that's probably going to come back around again. Like, I think she's going to she's going to like terminus the heck out of whatever's about to happen. It's a pretty strong squad to have on the outside right now. Uh, it's Daryl, Judith, uh, Kelly, and Carol. Uh, that's a that's a pretty powerful quartet. And, and could be could be got, more people too. Well, you got Aaron and Alden too. Oh yeah, and they're definitely very available at the moment. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know. What did you make of uh, Aaron and Alden? Like kind of like hot on the trail of the Whisperers throughout the episode. Well, I thought it was pretty great. Um, I think. My second favorite moment of the episode that was just like a little throwaway moment was Aaron's trying to get his walkie talkie to work and then he just starts banging it on his fake arm. Yeah, that was good. That was pretty good. <laughs> no, no pain. No pain there. Yeah, but- um, that was an interesting uh, uh, aside that Kelly and Carol have about Kelly saying, like, Connie's not dead. Uh, yeah, like- well, duh, Connie's not dead. We didn't yeah. see the body. We didn't see we didn't see the body and like Magna doesn't know where she went. They got out of the cave together, but they went off in their different ways. Allegedly, Um, Connie is uh, Lauren Ridloff. The actress is uh, part of the Eternals, the Marvel cast. So I got to imagine they needed to to get rid of her for a little while in order to to be a part of that movie. We've talked about that before. Do you think that Connie shows up in the next episode or do you think and this is my concern, Jess? that Connie is the new Heath and like, is the new like eternally out there character that like people are going to be like, where's Connie like eight seasons from now? You know, they, I think that in, if this was all a real thing that was really happening because it is totally plausible, I guess. Um, I, I think this would happen to people a lot more often than it does on this show where somebody would go out to run an important errand or they'd be out in the field doing field things and they'd get separated and somebody just wouldn't come back and you would never know what happened to them. Yeah, I, I think that is a thing. But of course, because we have this omniscient narrator that is the camera, we I'm sure that has happened to people and we've seen it happen and we know what happened to them. So it doesn't bother us. And I think there's probably a lot of situations where people are thinking, well, what about that person that went out? And we know they died, but we they never saw it happen. So they don't know. And I think I think it's definitely plausible that we have more than one of these instances where somebody just goes out and they die and they don't ever come back or they go and they do whatever Rick's doing and they don't come back either. Right, right. So. I, I think we might not see Lauren Ridloff again, but they took such care to cultivate her as this character we should care about by making one of the principles of the show deeply care about her. Right, right, they right. They can't, 
they can't just not ever resolve that because Daryl's going to wonder where she is. And if Daryl doesn't wonder where she is, that's bad writing. I agree. I I think so, too. Uh, I I think like the way that they resolve that is still yet to be determined. I mean, I think one thing that they can do is they can resolve the Whisperer conflict relatively quickly, as in like this next finale or, uh, you know, a little bit into season 11. And if there's like some sort of time jump that occurs where uh, like, you know, whatever grieving process Daryl has to go through. Uh, happened off camera we can kind of get on board with that but it's still just gonna be like you know we're, we're always gonna wonder um but i mean talking to to scott gimple during uh deny guerrera's departure from the show and how he was mentioning to me in our interview for thr how he uh not only obviously is there and still unannounced but uh like unconfirmed no one's confirming yes deny guerrero will be in the the rick movie so i think it feels like a pretty safe assumption um that there could also be like a totally dedicated michonne thing like whether that's the michonne show uh that's like a limited series or whatever that ended up being um could we could we be getting into this place and i think that gimple has been saying this in some of his press uh in his like graduation to this role as chief content officer can you envision the world where we are talking about like a Heath digital series, a Connie digital series. And it's at least like more fleshed out and like vivid and rich and lived in than the flying dead. Uh, and the stuff like that, please God. Uh, but I wonder if like, that's a way like you accommodate these people who are, uh, suddenly on the precipice of becoming like mega stars, like a Lauren Ridloff, who, if, uh, you know, she really hits in a Marvel movie, uh, maybe like her star really blows up. Can you still keep her around if, walking dead does like uh i don't know like a connie six episode series or something like that god i don't know i don't know how much market there is for that much walking dead i feel like we were already at post peak walking dead saturation i don't disagree i'm i'm more thinking about it from the perspective of the people who are like the key holders for the franchise who think like yeah we got we gotta like be pushing in on the franchise like do they think that there is a market for it I mean, they might because they've thought there was a market for a lot of dumb things that they've done in the past. Yeah. But I like is are they just being given like a Scrooge McDuck vault of money to make all this stuff? And if so, like (laughs) there's stuff they could be doing to improve their flagship. And I, I think maybe the time to do those kinds of things and to experiment on that level was probably five years ago. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. I, I think maybe we haven't even seen, we haven't even had one of those interstitial series in a while. I think, and I think it would be hard. I feel like maybe they've abandoned the concept of having those little like momenty red machete type things. We're kind of past that. Uh, We don't really do those anymore. Mercifully. Mercifully. I could see them doing like dropping something on on a streaming site that was in this universe that was like a limited series. But I don't know if we've got the Walking Dead audience who's potentially going to be that interested in it, especially if there's already three Walking Dead series and a movie and whatever else they're working on. It sure seems like this would be. It's a it's a nice idea to capitalize on somebody who's going to be a big star, 
but it's also asking so much of your audience that you have already asked so much of. You have asked them to forgive the dumpster and you asked them to forgive <laughs> the season seven right, cliffhanger. Right, right. Right, right. I I really feel like there is not enough goodwill to make that an idea that anybody would think is a good idea. I think it'd be a lot. I think it would be a lot. I just wonder. I do wonder. Um, but I but I gen- generally I agree with you. Generally, I agree that I think it would be a lot. I mean, we would have something else to podcast about, which oh, I guess great. is a good thing. I would be that'd happy be to podcast about that with you. But sure. I don't know who would be listening at that point. <laughs> people will listen. People will listen. Uh, some people would listen. Um, Someone what would. else? What else from this episode? Uh, anything with the beta stuff that's uh, that's that's standing out to you that you wanted to get into? He really doesn't want to be called the Alpha. Do not call him the Alpha. Well, it's really interesting to me that Beta is starting to lose his audience, and it speaks to Alpha's leadership abilities that they she had all these people in line, and she could do some pretty effed up stuff to them. And they would still fall in line with her. But Beta is a different guy. And people are people are still kind of following him out of fear and out of like, this is what we've always done. And I don't really know how to just like assimilate back to normal life. But people are saying, yeah, I don't really don't really like this guy. I don't really feel like I'm buying what he's selling the way I was buying what Alpha was selling. Right. Oh, yeah, I think they're. Maybe maybe he really has to put on a concert, Jess. Yeah. You know, you know, maybe like that little like scary voice in his head should be like, go full half moon. Uh, and he has to go full half moon. <laughs> full half moon. Is that yeah. like so full half moon is like two quarter moons? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's right. Pretty sure. Yeah. A full A full half moon would be two. Uh no a full half a full yeah full half moon would be two quarter moons yeah I I yeah. I was never very good at fractions um yeah but it, yeah correct, it sure seems like and it's weird because you have to think Beta in his previous life was pretty used to like snapping his fingers and people doing what he said because yep. when you're a rock star people just give you things and. But this Jeez. entourage sucks. Yeah, this, this entourage. Is... This is the worst entourage ever. <laughs> His roadies blow. They're terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. bad crew. I mean, in the previous episode, we saw him like do the fear thing where he made Alpha's head eat a guy's face. The other guy didn't just stand there like, oh, yes, I'll do whatever you say, beta. The other guy turned around and ran. Yeah, cheesed it. Smart. Yeah, that would never happen with Alpha. No. And so I, I think that... Beta's having some trouble maintaining control. He's like the son of the dictator that the beloved dictator that dies and the son is now the dictator and people aren't as invested in the son. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Beta still has the 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 herd. He's got the horde that's really uh, responding to his beck and call. Yeah, and-, and the zombies are talking to him now, too. Yeah, it seems like uh, it seems like he's just kind of losing his grip on reality. Um, but he's got a big pack of flesh hungry monsters and he's at the gates by the end of the episode. So that's a, that's a, a tough situation for the crew yeah. inside. And, and it's we, a decent crew inside. It's a decent crew inside. We have to give some props to beta though, because he basically followed a cat and that's how he wound up where he needed to be. Yeah. I mean, that's basically how I've been living my life for a decade or so now. It's like, what is the cat? What are my cats telling me? 
and my you know my my two cats went away and then they're like just chill for a minute and then like give it a year and then you're going to get ridiculous cats and you're going to get them at the exact right time to keep you mightily entertained during a global pandemic and they were right that's like yep. pardo oh my god very wise uh ghost pardo is a great character in my life by the way <laughs> He's he's been amazing. He's been he's been really killing the game. Oh, that's um, that's good to hear. Yeah, and I'm now in a cat household. Oh yeah, for the first time in 20 years. And, How's that going? Um, well, how, do, I mean, how does George feel about the cats? Um, George wants to be friends with the cat, and the cat does. The cat is a cranky old lady, and she does not want to be friends with George. <laughs> that's sad. It's pretty sad. Uh, but you know, she likes to. She's basically she thinks she's a dog, so she eats uh, table scraps and nice, cool. Yeah, so it, it's been fun. You kind of make friends with her by like feeding her stuff under the table, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, it's it's going okay. Jess, one of my favorite things about The Walking Dead right now is uh obviously podcasting with you about it but also uh texting with you about it and like get it, <laughs> and like getting your reactions to the episode as as we're going yes. through because we were watching this one roughly around the same time uh and uh your comment about Negan uh being the Robin Williams to to Lydia's Matt Damon a la goodwill hunting with a yeah. it's not your fault it's not your I know it's not my fault Sean stop saying that Sean uh, just like going full Matt Damon there, yeah. and like, he's like, "You gotta, you gotta hit me. You'll feel better if you hit me. I don't want to hit you. Come on, hit me." It's like it was very like all he was like. He's got the good beard, but he really needed the the full uh, Doctor Sean, not Kniff, Robin Williams beard. <laughs> uh, yeah. would have been good. Would have been. Although good. he's got he's got a super pole of his own with Lucille. Indeed, he does. Um, and honestly, if Negan really wanted Lydia to hit him. Why didn't he just open with, I banged your mom? <laughs> banged your mom. I feel like that's a very naked like, ah! kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe he just wanted to get, he wanted to get punched with a little like sideways fist like she was hitting him. He yeah. didn't actually want to get murdered. Yeah. Uh, banged your mom. She was wearing her mask. It was weird. Kind of liked it. Yeah. it. What about this whole like, I really liked your mom aside from some things. Like, <laughs> I, I wish we hadn't gone there with Negan. I don't think we needed any of that. Like, I was sorry to have to kill your mom. She wasn't so bad. Like, I don't know that we need this with Negan. Yeah, I mean, your mom was a psychopath, but other than that, she was kind of fun. She was a decent Yeah, play. like, what are you talking about? Like, she wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't fun at all. No, there was she... the one time. That's literally it. Yeah, it's like the one thing. <laughs> I mean, man. It must have been great. I mean, first in a decade, that's probably pretty good. Uh, but like enough to be like this psychopath wasn't so bad. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I. I don't know. I. This feels a little forced to me, this interaction. Uh, I guess. I guess you need to give Negan something to do and you need to resolve that somehow. Yeah. But Lydia's got a lot of complicated feelings about her mom. But I feel like maybe the easiest way to tie that all up is like, yeah, you know, she was going to just murder you because she had this weird sense that you were messing up your new world order. I think that probably makes her okay with a lot of it. Yeah, I think so, too. Anyway, it seems like they're back to they're back to square one. Lydia and Negan are friends again. So Yeah. Or, you know, tenuous allies. Yeah. Friendly ish. Something. Um. And then Father Gabriel's holding down the fort. Seems like Rosita's not doing great. Yeah, she didn't look good. We saw her for a couple of minutes, but yeah, yeah. I 
I don't know. We we kind of cut to so many people so fast. There's a lot was, going on. There was a lot going on. And yeah. again, like they all got their line like tonight. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> One day more. <laughs> One more day to revolution. Uh, yeah, uh, they just need to assemble a barricade quickly and they'll be able to to stop the, the, the whispers from yeah. coming through. Although if Lydia goes over the wall like Gavroche uh, to, <laughs> to, to, to get the, the guns, that's going to be no good. Uh, yeah, as well, I would prefer Lydia to be the Gavroche than uh, than Judith. So like if one of them yeah. has to play the part, um, you know, I, I'll pick Lydia. But well, we get a nice interaction between the two of them. Yeah. Brief. I thought that was, yeah. It was brief. It was good. Um, do you have any comic book zony type stuff other than like some of the stuff we've already talked about both on this podcast and in recent ones? Because I don't know that I do. Um, I might make a note that I thought that this was going to be a very different episode from what we yes. got based on we the talked, title. We talked yeah. about that last week. Yeah. And yeah. so feel free to say that everything I said in last week's comic book zone was completely incorrect. Yeah, yeah, but could still apply in some capacity for the future. Um, it could. I mean, not, that's maybe what we're, we might still see that in the finale. Yeah. Um, here's what we know about the finale. Uh, we don't know a release date. We don't know a premiere date. We don't know what it's going to, what it's going to come our way. Um, but I spoke with Angela Kang. She said that it's, you know, as the walking dead is want to do, it's going to be big action, but it's also going to be very internal. So there's going to be a lot of character stuff, but she, she stressed that uh, one of the big reasons why this is not ready yet is heavy action. Uh, like there's a lot of need for post-production right now. Um, they want to make sure that they get it right. So uh, the wolves are at the door and not the old wolves from back in the day. Thank <laughs> God. Uh, but the whisperers are here and it should be pretty gnarly. Um, that's exciting. And that's what we're going to get into the next time we get into The Walking Dead. Uh, any predictions for how this is going to shake out or is that unfair to do? I think it's probably going to hew pretty closely to how it shook out in comics so i feel like my predictions would not be fair to make i mean the good news about this is like walking dead is ending at a time uh that's uh, a bit premature compared to uh what the plan was and if you're feeling unsatisfied by uh the landing point for season 10 for now um and you're frustrated not knowing what's the next step in the whisperer war hey comic books you can buy them and read them and that would be great comic book industry one of the many industries aka just about every industry that is really struggling with what's going on right now uh and could really use support so as you're looking for things to to binge watch to read uh to listen to all of that i can't recommend uh given you know if you're not a comic book person like giving giving a graphic novel a try giving a limited series like something that you know has a finite run a try if you're like a big genre tv person um there's so many things out there not the least of which is the walking dead it's 192 or 193 issues all told of the walking dead and it has a beginning middle and uh, very surprisingly an end uh and you can go and you can read all of that um and even though that sounds like a daunting number i bet you could read the entirety of the walking dead inside of two weeks would be my guess, depending on your speed as a reader. Uh, so if you want to know what's next with the Whisperer War, get in on reading the books, and then you can listen to all of the comic book zone stuff that Jess and I do on these podcasts from time to time with no guilt, uh, even though you probably do that anyway, would 
be my bet, but I guess I just don't know with a hundred percent certainty. I mean, there's probably a lot of people that are like on the treadmill while they're listening to us talk and mm-hmm. they just forget to hit the next button because they're in their zone. Right. They're just like, oh, here it so is. So they they're, stay in our zone. They, they come to our zone too. Yeah. So Comixology is digital comic book space where you can, you can buy a lot of stuff online. Uh, so I just uh, strongly advocate for that. Mm-hmm. Comic book industry could use all the support they can get. Uh, and the Walking Dead comics are, uh, uh, they're a ride. They're a wild ride and they're different enough, but similar enough to the show that like you'll see where points of diversion are uh, are existing and coming up and cropping up. And I, I think that that'll be a fun experience for somebody who hasn't done it yet. Yep. And what's more, you will see actual scenes that you will remember because yeah. they frequently would take art from the comics and use that to set up shots on the show, which I think totally. is really, really fun. Totally. Um, I would also advocate for uh, the entire series is now out in compendium form. There are four volumes, big, heavy volumes, if you want the actual paper copy experience. But if you get them digitally, you can get like the entire four volume set and it's the entire series. It's about 50 issues per book. Yeah. Yeah. So worth doing for sure. Uh, definitely look into that. Uh, and if you get into that or if you want to get into comic books and like none of that's really doing it for you, uh, hit us up. We've got recommendations. We're on the Twitter bots. I'm at round Howard. Jess is at Haymaker Hattie. Uh, if you like comic books and superhero stuff, we have a new superhero podcast here on post show recaps. Everything is super with myself and Kevin Mahadeo, where we are going to be rewatching the Marvel cinematic universe. Uh, our Iron Man podcast is coming up in the very near future. You can send feedback for that one super at postshowrecaps.com uh we're rating the marvel movies as we go so that would be very nice to to get those from you uh dear listener and killing eve it's coming up jess and i are gonna be back on the horn we're not missing a beat you know we're our schedule is maintaining it's just a different show uh binge watch killing eve get on board with that 16 episodes 40 ish minutes a piece very easily done and very worth your while if you if you like the content of the walking dead if you can handle the violence and uh the 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 mature content uh (laughs) you'll be able to handle killing eve for sure and it's a it's a strange ride uh i think it's gonna make for some very fun podcasting I got to be honest, Josh, the thing I'm most looking forward to about entering the Killing Eve universe after leaving the Walking Dead universe is on Killing Eve, they travel. They go to cool places. They're all over Europe. And it's going to be such a different experience and such a better escape than going from this pandemic influenced real world to the pandemic influenced post-apocalyptic landscape of people struggling to survive i feel like nobody on killing eve is struggling to survive so much as they're struggling to keep from getting murdered yeah i think that might be that might be a better balm for my soul than zombie apocalypse stuff right now but i think you're right that underreported excellent travel series killing Eve. yes like they spent some time in amsterdam in season two and i was like oh pentacokin take me to the panic oak and uh you know it was just really like soothing to see like scenes on the canals uh so yeah they're they're all over europe uh so uh in lieu of being able to travel somewhere let's transport you into killing eve dear listener uh join jess and i we're gonna have a really really fun time podcasting about it yeah i mean even villanelle would be the greatest amazing race team of all time oh god that would be very good that it would, would. Be very very good and we don't have amazing race 32 yet so <gasps> this is another great way to to sort of experience all of the shows that you're not getting yet 
Yeah. I mean, it stars two people who both won Emmys for these roles. The top yep. two people on the board both won Best Actress Emmys for these roles. Tells you a lot. It's a very fun show. I think Killing Eve is... Uh, I, I've been so I've been having so much fun just going and, and, and binging it. Uh, and I actually still have to watch the season two finale, which I am going to do as soon as we hop off here in a second. So uh, let me hasten that process because I really want to <laughs> see how this thing turns out. Uh, and I don't want to get like hit with spoilers when this podcast hits uh if i don't do it on on the right clock uh anything else uh that you got jess um no this is pretty much all i got right now all right yeah me too uh the podcasts are all uh hope everybody is staying safe hope everybody is staying sane if you're not going to follow us to killing eve uh we'll we'll be here whenever we've got new walking dead stuff to to chew on uh thank you everybody who's been listening to these podcasts just this is talking about season 10 was a blast i'm sure it will be no exception when we get to the season 10 finale and the hopeful day that we get to season 11 and the world beyond quite literally yeah i i'm looking forward to that day whenever it is all right everybody take care until next time goodbye